0: When you walk into my workshop, uh, there's a wall in my workshop, well, a part of a wall in my workshop that almost always catches people's attention attention, and it generally confuses them a bit and it's what I call my jig wall. I have a wall with hanging on it all of the jigs that I use to make furniture with. Now, if you don't know what a jig is, a jig is a, a, a contraption or a something that you make in order to help you Make something else, right? Jigs are usually designed to help you cut a particular angle or a particular shape or a curve or something that, that, that there's not a machine for, right? You can't just you can't just kind of put it into such and such a machine and make this shape or cut. So you make a jig, uh, it might be a board or a box or something else that will hold uh, a piece of wood or a piece of furniture in such a way that you can make a certain cut or a certain shape. And I've got a wall full of all of the jigs that I use to make furniture. There are all sorts of weird boards and boxes and other sorts of things. I have jigs that will help me um, cut curved legs for a dining table. I've got jigs that will help me cut repeatable oval shapes so I can cut the same oval shape again and again and all the parts will be exactly the same size and exactly the same shape. I've got jigs that will help me cut uh, round tops for stools so that they're all the same size and they're all exactly round because, you know, there's not a saw that cuts round, right? So you make a jig so that a straight saw can cut a perfect circle. All of my jigs are made with a purpose in mind. They're all made to do a job. They're all useful. Most of them have just one job. In fact, in some cases, it actually takes longer to make the jig than it does to make the piece with the jig, if that makes sense. And so that's why you keep these things. If a jig doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and sometimes that happens, you make a jig and it doesn't produce the work that you want it to do, it's useless and you throw it out. But jigs, when they work well, when they're useful and they're doing what they're designed to do, are a really important part of what I do. And so I have a whole wall in my workshop dedicated to my jigs and I couldn't do what I do without my jigs. We're in a series that we're calling Powerful Prayers. And uh, we've said in this series that everyone knows that Christians pray or, you know, at least they're kind of supposed to pray. Um, um, But the reality is that most of the prayers that Christians pray, most of the time that we pray, we pray, give me prayers. Give me prayers where we're saying, God, uh, give me success in my exams. Give me a boyfriend or a girlfriend who will be a good human being this time. Give me a new job. Give me a new house. Give me a new house in the suburb that I want to live in. Sometimes we pray, give me prayers for ourselves. Sometimes we pray, give me prayers for other people that we love. You know, we pray for the health of our child or we pray for a financial provision for a parent. And give me prayers are okay. There's a a, a place in life and a place in our faith for give me prayers. But this series is about discovering power in prayer beyond give me. It's about recognising that there are other things that we can pray, maybe that we even should pray, that open up extraordinary power in our life and open up power in the world through us and through our prayers. We've looked at uh, two powerful prayers in this series so far. When we've looked at, uh, at us praying God, speak to me. God, forgive me. And this week, the last week in our series, we're going to look at the third of our powerful prayers in this series when we pray, God, use me. God, use me. And also, sometimes when we talk about being used, often in our culture when we talk about being used, it's kind of a negative thing. Do you know what I mean? We say, oh, you know, I've got a uh, a so-and-so at work and they're just using me. You know, my, my, my boyfriend just uses me, right? And we, we, we talk about it being a negative thing. But like the jigs that hang on the wall in my workshop, sometimes there are things that are designed to be used, that are created with a use in mind. Sometimes there are things that only really find their purpose when they're being used. And I want to tell you that you are created by God to be used. You are created by God with a purpose and with a use in mind. The Bible is a story. The Bible is a story of God using people to help God accomplish what he wants to do. It's a story of partnership, if you like, between God and people, between people and God. I mean, when you think about it, right from the very beginning of the Bible, God creates people with a use in mind. The very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, God creates people in Genesis 1, 27. Listen to Genesis 1, 28, the verse right after it. God blessed them, being the people, Adam and Eve, the first people in made. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and every other living creature that moves on the ground the very first people were given a job to do. They were given a purpose. They were given a use. That They had a use, a partnership with God to rule over the world that he had just created. And when you think about it, actually, almost everyone that you read about in the Bible is given a job by God to do. Noah had to build an ark. David had a whole bunch of different things that God called him to do. Moses was given a job to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. Paul and Peter and the other disciples we read about in the New Testament, they were given a job to share the story of Jesus with the whole world. They were given a job to start what we now call the church. And when you think about it some more, none of those people lived comfortable and easy lives. None of them lived lives that were about them doing what they wanted to do. They worked hard, really hard. In fact, I was reading during the week, you know, the, the, the best guess from reading the timelines around it is that it took Noah over 50 years to build the ark. Wow. You think about that? You know, like in the kids' stories, like Noah starts at one week and finishes at the, the next week, Right? <laughs> But there were no power tools and there were no, you know, he couldn't order the parts off the internet. Uh, Best guess is that he laboured every day probably for somewhere between 50 and 70 years to build the ark. All these people we read about in the Bible, they gave up their time, they gave up, in most cases, they gave up their money, many of them gave up their, their careers, some of them gave up their families. Some of them even gave up their lives in order to be used by God. Some of them literally died following what God called them to do. And I mention this because if you look at the way that lots of Christians live, if you listen to the way that lots of Christians talk, it will be very easy to get the idea that God exists to serve us. Sometimes it is very easy to get the idea that God exists to give me a fulfilling job. That God exists to give me a wonderful partner. That God exists to give me well-adjusted children. God exists to give me healthy, happy life. God exists to give me, you know, kind of financial provision and to give me everything that I want to get through life in a happy and a healthy way. And when we think like that, that's when we pray. That's what makes us pray, give me prayers, doesn't it? Because we have this idea that, well, my life should look like all of this. If it doesn't look like all that, then then I kind of go to God and say, well, God, you know, I've got this and I've got this, but God, can you give me this? I I haven't ticked the well-adjusted children off the list yet. You know, God, give me some of those. I'm allowed to say that because my children are here. Um, do, Do you know what I mean? And so we pray these give me prayers because we've got this idea of what God should be doing for me. And if he's not doing for me what I want him to do for me, then I kind of knock on his door and say, hey, you haven't delivered. But I want to tell you as graciously as I can, that is not the picture that the Bible paints of God and of us. It's not even Close. The story of the Bible is a story of people who serve God before they serve themselves. It's a story of people who are doing what God wants, not what they want. It's a story of people who who are giving up their own plans, giving up their own desires sometimes, giving up their own careers, their own families, their own money, in order to do what God wants them to do. It's a story of people who are not praying, give me, but it's a story of people who are praying, God, use me. It's a story of people who are saying, God, I am available. Here I am, use me. Paul writes it this way when he writes a letter to uh, the church in Ephesus. He writes this, he says, uh, this is Ephesians 2. To chapter, 10, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another version, another translation says that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. Paul didn't make this up. Paul learned this from Jesus. Paul and Peter and the disciples, the, the apostles, the people that started the early church and that lived this way, they learned this from Jesus. When Mark sat down to write the biography of the life of Jesus and to write about who he was and what he did, he remembers this powerful story. Uh, this is in um, a Mark chapter, I didn't write it down. Um, <clears throat> Come back to that. Um, uh, So, um, Mark remembers this story. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus, and they asked him, "Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask." It's a classic "give me" right there, isn't it? (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. They replied, "Let one of us sit at your right hand, and the other sit at your left in your glory." You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup uh, and be baptized. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right and my left hand is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. James and John come and they say, Jesus, you know, when, 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 you, when, you, when you kind of leave earth, I, I don't know exactly what they're thinking, but they've sort of got this picture that Jesus is going to you know, be crowned and become the big king and take over the world. When that happens, can we be the number two and three guys? That's what it means to sit on the right and the left. And, and Jesus answers them by saying like, you don't really know what you're asking. I know you think you know what you're asking, but do you really want to follow me where I'm going? Do you really want to do what I'm about to do? Because Jesus knew where he was going. They had no idea. But the story doesn't end there. Because verse 41 says, When the ten heard about this, so the, you know, there's 12 disciples, the two, the, the rest of them. When the rest of the disciples heard this, they became indignant with James and John. That means ticked off in Bible language. They're really upset. Dude, you went and asked him that. What about me? You know, we, we, we're all going to ask that question at some point. They became indignant with James and John. And so Jesus calls them together, kind of a team huddle. You've got to sort this out. He calls them together and he says this to them. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He's saying, you know the way that leadership and authority and importance works in the world, don't you? You know, the bosses... Uh, tell the little people what to do that that's the way it works out there verse 43 he says but not so with you he said instead and this totally changed totally changed the world for these guys he said instead whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all for even the Son of Man, which is how he talks about himself, in other words, Jesus saying, but even me, even the Son of Man, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, you want to know the way this works? I, I haven't come to be served but to serve others. I, I haven't come saying, right, I'm here, what are you going to do for me? Jesus came saying, I'm here, and this is what I'm going to do for you. Jesus didn't come praying, give me. Jesus came praying, Father, use me. And of course, he was used in the most extraordinary way uh, when Mark says, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. He would say, God, use me, and he would literally give up his life to save you and me. And that's the example that he left with Peter and James and John and Paul and the others. And that's the way that Christians and the church have lived ever since. You and I are created by God and we're created to be used by God for his purposes, not ours, to be used by God for his purposes in his world. Like the jigs that hang on the wall of my workshop, you are created with a purpose in mind. You are created unique and special and you're created to do something. And you will only find your true purpose, your true meaning. You will only find absolute fulfillment in life when you are doing what God has created you to do. When your life is lived out, not praying, give me, but praying, God, use me. And I want to be clear, when we talk about being used by God, we're not talking about becoming a missionary or a pastor or a minister. And we're not talking about sort of getting on some roster and serving in the church. Praying God use me is about praying God use me where I am with the skills I've got, with the people I'm surrounded by. It's about saying, God, I'm available Use all of me, and I want to say as clearly as I can God isn't just waiting to use smart people, or wealthy people, or young people, or old people, or you know, whatever you have in your mind. This sort of image of, well, they're the kind of people that God wants to use. Praying, God, use me is a prayer for every follower of Jesus, no matter how old you are no matter how busy you are, no matter how wealthy you are. You know, I start every day in prayer. I get up before the rest of my family. And very deliberately, very deliberately, the first thing that I pray for my life each day is, God, use me today. I pray, God, not my will, but your will. It's just one thing I can do. And I pray that before I start praying the give me prayers. I pray that before I pray for my family, before I pray for what's on my agenda for the day, before I pray for my business, before I pray for any of those things. And it's just one little thing that I can do to remind myself at the beginning of every day that I want to be used by God today. And, of course, I've got things planned for my day. I've got things in my diary and things that I know I want to do for the day even before I get up for that day. But it's just one way that I can say to myself and say to God at the beginning of every day, God, I want you to use me today. With whatever I'm going to do, with whoever I'm going to meet, with wherever I'm going to go, God, use me. I want to tell you, praying God use me is one of the most powerful prayers that you will ever pray in your life. Because when we pray God use me, we are opening our lives to the power of God in our life and in our world through us. When we pray God use me, we are setting ourselves up, if you like, as a a conduit, like as a pipe, To say, God, I want you to pour the power of heaven through me and into the world around us. It invites God to do things in us, but it also invites God to do things in our world through us. Does that make sense? It invites God to do things with our life that we could never do on our own. And it starts with us making ourselves available. It starts with us making our time available to God, uh, praying, God, use the time that I have. Use this day. It starts with us making our skills and our gifts available to God. However gifted or talented you think you are or you aren't, it's about saying, God, this is sort of what's in my hand, if you like. This is what I've got. Use me. It's about making our money and our stuff available to God. Doesn't matter how rich or poor, uh, you know, no matter how sort of fancy the stuff that you think you have is, it's about saying, God, this is the stuff that I have, use it. When we pray, God, use me, lives get changed. When we pray, God, use me, conversations happen that will change relationships forever. When we pray, God use me, things happen that shine the light of God into dark places in our world. When we pray, God use me, money gets released toward causes that can literally save lives. When when we pray, God use me, businesses get started, ideas get born, churches get started when people pray, God use me. And whether you realize it or not, we all know that. Because I bet if if each one of us, every one of us would have a story of some way that God changed our life. And maybe you don't realize it or not, but that thing only happened because someone somewhere prayed, God use me. When you stand up here and say, I went to that Easter camp and it was the best thing ever. That Easter camp didn't just like, pum, you know. Out of, that happened because someone prayed, God, use me. And God said, there should be an Easter camp. When you talk about, when you look at the, the, the photo of that sponsor child on your fridge and you think, my, my money, my few dollars a day are changing that kid's life. That happens because someone somewhere, maybe generations ago, prayed, God, use me, and that's how that charity got started. When you watch a film, some inspiring film of, you know, someone who's releasing kids out of poverty or uh, saving children out of child prostitution, you know, that happens because someone prayed, God, use me. You know, some of you will look at someone in your life, a parent or a friend or a a youth group leader or someone and say, wow, that person is just so valuable to me. But you ever think that they're only there because somewhere along the line, they prayed a God use me prayer. That's why they're leading a youth group. In some cases, that's why they reached out to you in the first place. You know, they went into their workplace and prayed, God, use me. And God put you on their heart and they walked across the room and began a conversation with you. I mean, the reality is we wouldn't be here in this church today if a small group of people didn't pray, God, use me. And were willing to give up time and money and, you know, a bunch of other to start a church. You're here today because people prayed, God, use me. And I want to say as clearly as I can, God isn't waiting for you to get smarter before he'll use you. God isn't waiting for you to get richer. God isn't waiting for you to finish school. He's not waiting for you to finish university. He's not waiting for you to get married. He's not waiting for you. Whatever it is in your life that you're tempted to kind of go, well, I'll just get this sorted out. He's not waiting for you to have more time on your hands. It's just a busy season now. I'll get this done. He's not waiting for any it. He is simply waiting for you to open your hands and you say, I am available. Use me today use me now use me with whatever I've got wherever I am with whoever you want to bring into my life and so I just want to leave you with two questions today will you make yourself available to be used by God number one and the second question if you, if you say yes to the first question, what is it that you have in your hands? What is it that God has put in your life that can be used by him and for him?